and welcome to Cannibalizing the Canon, episode 10, Set Pieces. My name is V, slash Vela, slash Rin, slash Huda. Uh, and I am, once again, abandoned by Glade. No, I'm kidding. He's not very well this week, uh, and I wish him the speediest of recoveries. Uh, but obviously, uh, as we saw last week, I am incapable of carrying an episode on my own without it being an absolute trash fire. So I have a babysitter today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes. Uh, hello, I'm I'm Raccoon Blast, also known as Rack, also known as the eldritch being that lurks in everyone's Twitch chat, whether they know it or not. It's true. It's true. Always there. Always in the shadows. Like Always. Just lurking from the depths. Like, somehow a mod in every single chat, even though they don't remember yeah. making you a mod. Hmm, yeah. suspicious. Yeah, I just randomly get these swords. Like, <laughs> you just got a collection of them. Yeah, 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 just... Dragons always have a horde, right? Mm-hmm. I might not be a dragon, but I have a horde of swords. Um, mm-hmm. Try saying that ten times fast. Uh, I'm not going to. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for babysitting me today. Thank you for having me. Um, I am very excited to be here with you. This is this is very uh, strange for me. This is like, oh, hello. Hi. Hi, friend. You just increased the chaos levels by having me here. Oh, yeah. Boy, howdy. I mean, I thought mm. it was bad when Jane was here, but boy, howdy. Oof. 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 Okay. Uh, I, I suppose we should probably do the homework that was set to us by, by Danny, because, you know, He's going to get Wait. antsy if we don't do actual Are we work. getting a pop quiz? Uh, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't study. It's fine. It's fine. We'll wing it. Okay. We always do. All right. All right. All right. Um, okay. So set pieces. What do I mean when I'm talking about a set piece specifically in RPGs? So uh, what I mean is like a semi-scripted scene um, that you or the players put into your uh, game slash campaign slash one shot slash whatever you're running. Uh, You've got all the main components. You know how things start out, but the players will still drive the story through their choices and their roles. Um, A really good example of a narrative scene that was a a set piece. Um, And these are both going to be from Critical Role. I will make no apologies for that because Matthew Mercer is very good at writing. Um, In the season one campaign, the attack on Iman. If you know, you know. Mm-hmm. If you don't, mm-hmm. no spoilers. <laughs> that was an excellent example of a narrative moment where the player's choices could still affect certain outcomes, but certain things have been set into motion by players' previous decisions and also by the DM. A good combat example, and yes, you can have combat set pieces, um, would be in Critical Role again, Season 2, Molly Mock's fight. Again, if you know, you know. Um, for a combat set piece, you're looking more at something like an ambush or a specific battle or even a more player-driven idea where they have decided to set up an ambush or a trap for something. Um, because this is the thing, set pieces, whilst being predominantly pushed by the DM are fantastic. Giving your players the opportunity to set a scene that they would like to see or they would like to play through gives them um, some agency, which they love. They eat that shit up with a spoon, guys. 
but also gives them the chance to kind of spread their wings and, and explore things that they've wanted to see. Um, right. Yeah. So it, am I right in understanding that like set pieces are, there are moments in the campaign that will happen regardless. Like the way it happens can change, but once a certain thing has caused this to happen eventually, it will happen regardless. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, as a as a TM, you can kind of chop and change things and move things around. Mm-hmm. Like if you if something happens that means you need to push that scene forward, rather than saying, oh, "Okay, I've got a scene that I'm going to do in three, two, three weeks." Oh shit! A thing has happened this session. I need to pull it forward to now. Let's go. Right. You can. You know. You still have very much. It's in in terms of like control of the narrative. You still have total control of that moment and where it goes. Um, it's probably quite good to think of it in terms of in terms of storytelling as a as a as a like a cinematic moment that you can just put in wherever it needs mm-hmm. to be. Most of your campaign isn't going to be cinematic moments. It's going to be people fucking shit up. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you can put in these big story beats and these moments where you're essentially looking at it through a film lens, and you can describe it as you know, for example, the camera pans out and you see. You know, these hordes of creatures who have come to fight you. Oh, shit. You know, um, it can it can really add drama and context to your game and really set the tone of what you want to see or what you expect or what your players expect. Um, it can feel sometimes quite predictable in places, especially if, for example, you have a demon who is offering a deal. So you've got your players all sat around this table. The lighting is moody and dark and demon leans forward with a grin on his face because for some reason all demons have a grin on their face. Uh, And he offers them a deal. And so in that sense, choices are somewhat predictable. But at the same time, you've still got the players going, well, actually, here's a counter offer. It's a reverse Uno card. Let's go. You know, you still have those moments where the players can still surprise you. Um, Right. It can lead to new ideas, new options, things you might not have considered, but things that will ultimately improve the story or take it in a direction that everyone is happy with. Right. So um, when 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 we would put it in terms of something that I'm quite familiar with, like interactive storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, you have very linear stories, but we all know D&D usually isn't very linear. Um, uh-huh. If anything, it would be comparable to like branching storylines right For sure. and uh usually these branching storylines will have points where they come back together and like crucial moments in uh in the story would would this be um comparable to these set pieces like yeah, no matter absolutely. what uh the party has done before whether they've gone to city a or city b eventually they will come back to this moment um that is set to happen, um, but the way they get there or the context in which they are there might differ based on what they've done before. Absolutely. And the advantage of, of the, the flexibility of D&D especially is, again, an interactive storytelling, uh, I was going to say exercise, but it is essentially an exercise, um, is the because the context of how they get there might change, that might change their options in the scene. So, for example, mm-hmm. if they were supposed to meet up with a crucial NPC and 
the the route that they took was different and they met someone else on the road and they brought them to this meeting and maybe there's a history between them and now there's tension there and now you your players have got to decide whether they're going to side with the person they've been traveling with or the person they were supposed to meet and is paying them that changes the dynamic and it changes the tone so you've right. always got the advantage of being able to kind of like take reference from what they've been doing to change your set pieces um in the same way um there are different kinds of set pieces as well. So you could start every session off with a, a prologue, which really sets the tone for what you expect from the session. Uh, could give them crucial information, uh, both in and out of character, as to you know someone's plans or what might be important, what might be important to look out for during their travels during this particular leg of the game. Um, or it could just be a silly little introduction to the world or, you know, something that is happening two streets down that they wake up to find. You know, it right. doesn't have to be a big story moment. It can just literally set the tone, even if that tone is, her do, we're here to have fun. Right. So, so um, basically, like, when you have a, sh uh, a TV show like um, Midsummer Murders, uh, the episode always starts with, you know, the murder. Yeah. Would that be similar yeah. then? Yeah, exactly, exactly that. It gives them some context as to what is going to be expected in this session. Mm -hmm. And if that's a grisly murder, then maybe they have to solve it or maybe they have to figure out why they murdered a person or, you know, any kind of like reason that, that they would be related to that. Or it could just be someone got murdered. All right, cool. We're going in that direction. Bye. Like it doesn't have to be crucially important, but it can be. Uh, equally on the, on the other side of that, um, I've known quite a few DMs who've done epilogues. So, uh, quite often it will be at the end of the session, they'll go, okay, so the camera pans away and then we see this. And a lot of them will describe it like that because when we're thinking of these kind of set pieces, we're thinking very much in the kind of the, the cinematic mind frame of how we would look at this through a camera if we were filming it. Yeah. Um, which again isn't crucial, but it helps people get into that mindset. Epilogues generally will tend to either reveal consequences of things that they did in session, or it will give them information that the characters don't have access to. For example, the big bad is out there doing things. You haven't seen him in three sessions, but he's out here doing some stuff. Here it is. See him do the things, but your characters don't know that. Good luck with that. <laughs> Hmm. Which is always my favorite. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so basically, um, you know, a, a very uh, a, a different, very easy comparison would just be a cutscene in a game. Then, absolutely. That is essentially uh, you're essentially providing a cutscene. Right. Damn. I wish I'd called them cutscenes. That would be so much easier. It <laughs> makes so much more well. sense. This is why I need babysitting, because clearly I don't have me. the brain cell. So yeah. thanks well, for providing it. <laughs> it's bouncing back and forth. Yeah, okay. Um, the other thing about set pieces is that it means the different things to different DMs. As with all of these tools uh, that are available to DMs and all of these practices and techniques, what one DM decides is a cutscene or a, a set piece isn't necessarily what another DM would do. How much or how little you provide is entirely up to you. Your play style and your tables vary, and all options are perfectly okay. Disclaimer, your fun is valid. It just is. <laughs> no way, your fun is wrong. How dare you? <laughs> uh, 
So why do I love, just me, just me on my own, why do I love uh, set pieces? Uh, because I'm a writer and this shit is my bread and butter. But specifically, th- th- some of the reasons that I think that they're particularly good in D&D is, first of all, if there's something that you or your players want to explore, it gives you the opportunity to do that together without necessarily having to engineer a weird situation in game. So you've got the opportunity to kind of step away from the game for a second and have this cutscene that doesn't necessarily impact the play style. So if you've got a group of people who are kind of mixed between being, you know, uh, RP heavy or combat heavy, the RP heavy people might go, actually, this is something that we want to explore. We want the space to do it. And then the combat people will be happy because it's, you know, it's not taking away from the big fight that they're just about to have in the arena, for example. Right. Um, they might be situations that could possibly be glossed over during normal play. For example, if somebody didn't roll great on a perception check, but they know something's there and they want to go back to it, that provides you with a perfect opportunity to set up a set piece for them to go back on their own or with friends and explore that situation a little more. And and maybe just kind of omit the the need for a perception roll in the first place. Just go, okay, so you know something's there. You're going to come back to it later. We won't do the perception roll during the set piece because you're specifically looking for that thing. And your passive's pretty good anyway. So Right. Okay. Uh, it gets people to think more about the story. Quite often, my experience has been that people tend to put a little more into their role playing when it is a big moment or a big scene uh, because they they feel more because you've put that importance on that scene they feel more like they're acting it's mm-hmm. more like a, a moment in which they are not necessarily playing a game but living that moment through that character um, I have seen some absolutely wonderful role play out of people who when they first started playing said that that was not a thing they were ever going to do because they weren't comfortable doing it and they got to a point where they felt comfortable enough to trust themselves to do that. And it was beautiful. And I cried. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love making players cry. But when I cry, oh, chef's kiss, beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that that's also like uh, just um, an example of good immersion then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of players say they will feel more immersed if it's completely based on the way they roll or what they say they want to do. Um, But in reality, it's easier to get immersed in this story, in this world, when it's kind of just handed to you on a silver platter. Just, this is what's happening now. You're your character in this scenario. How do you deal with this? Yeah, 100%. Like, it gives you the kind of reactions that you... That, that you might not necessarily get if that scene was not a focus point. So if you were running this just generally and you were saying, okay, so you're in this place. Okay, what do you guys want to do? Okay, roll for it. Like that kind of thing, as much as it is, you know, a big part and parcel of the game, it does break immersion. And having moments where the roles don't necessarily matter as much. Like, so, you know, they still, they still, you know, you know, you can't get away from the fact that D&D is a dice-based game. Yeah. Um, but me personally, I put a little less weight into dice rolls. Like, I, it will be for big things, like persuasion rolls that are heavily weighted kind of thing, mm-hmm. rather than just saying, okay, roll for everything, you know, 
it's just not necessarily when when you're physically in the space having that moment with that player or those players yeah it's more rolling to decide in just in which way something happens unless if it actually happens mm-hmm. exactly like um it, very simple example if you if if this scene would be about opening a door it would be less like do you actually manage to open this door and more do you open this door quietly enough to ensure that this big evil person that's on the other side doesn't notice you right away or do you just kick it in and surprise him or do you just gently open it and l- allow him to start monologuing yeah exactly it's more uh it's less to do with what happens and more to do with how it happens. It's mm-hmm. it's all about presentation, as Mega Mind has taught us. Um, I say this, I haven't watched it, but Glaive told me to say that, so I'm saying it. <laughs> Glaive was right. Yeah, hashtag Glaive was right. No, wait, don't make that a thing because oh, he'll God. never let me live that down. Um, another thing that it can do is, especially because they they tend to be quite big cinematic moments, it it can uh, inform your style, uh, give your your game a certain style as well. Like I, I am. This is no surprise to anyone. I am heavily weighted towards uh, role playing in my games. <gasps> really? Oh my god! I would never have guessed. What? Uh, <laughs> I thought you, I thought V loved combat. I don't know what you're talking about. What? Uh, say you're, all you're... of my players who've never had to fight anything ever before. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so for me, set pieces are uh, valuable in the sense that they kind of inform my players what kind of style we are going for. Whether that's going to be something uh, a little spoopy or uh, more dramatic or more comedic, um, it gives them a real sense of of where exactly the vibe is today. <laughs> um, and also, it is brilliant for unifying a party it is fantastic for getting a party on the same page uh, there are lots of times where your players will have separate goals and be pulling in different directions and you give them a scene and all of a sudden they're on the same page it's brilliant i love it and mm-hmm. it, if it's done right they won't even realize it yeah which is I just mean, ugh, chef's kiss y- you could just simply have something happen to the world that gives all your players the same um, the same cause to fight for. Mm-hmm. Um, there you have it. Just um, in terms of combat scenes, the reason the 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 reason the good ones are good are because they give the players a unifying moment in which everyone gets to shine. Uh, it helps them organize their game plan when it comes to combat. And it gives them a chance to get their badass moves out and and show off what they can do. Um, a really good like combat scene. A lot of the time, I will get my players to organize. Like if they so so a good example would be I have a group. I have many groups, but I have group one. <laughs> I, re- I, refer- I refer to them as group one because they were the first of the four groups that turned up. And Makes sense. Yeah, they just it's brilliant. Um, they were hunting a rock. Uh, no, not a rock. A wyvern. Sorry. It was a wyvern. My bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were hunting a wyvern and they decided they were going to try and ambush it. So I let them set it up. 
I gave them the the area that they were in and I said, okay, where are you? What are you doing? How is this trap going to work? Explain it to me and then put yourselves in those positions and then I will tell you if it works. And it did work. They did really well. It was really impressive. They they spent Great. a good couple of weeks. Like it was a break in between games. It's a month between games. And they spent the entire time planning it between themselves. And it was the first time that they'd really come together and planned as a group. And it was just mm-hmm. really good to see them go, okay, well, you're good at this, so you do that. And I'll stand over here and and push the boulder. I'm not really strong, so I'll be over here, but I've got spells so I can shoot at it when it comes down. And then if we all do this it's sort of roughly at the same time, we can get it in the Pokeball kind of thing. And right. they did. They, they pulled it off flawlessly. Like, it wasn't even a case of I didn't make them roll. I did make them do rolls. And the dice went, yeah, let's fucking go. Which I love. I love when the dice agree with the story. Um, Mm. But it was a good moment where they kind of really gelled together as a team. And and the euphoria afterwards when they were like, yeah, we did it. Oh my God, it's amazing. Like being able to watch that as a DM and just go, yay, my children are good. Like it was just really, really good because they all got that moment of being able to go, okay, this is my part in the plan and this is what I'm doing and I'm going to do it well. And it was just yeah. like, yes, good. Love that. Yeah, it's because there's there's more build up to it. Like even if they didn't have these weeks to plan it, it's still, they organized it. So they knew this fight was coming and they knew um, uh, how much depended on it. Um, so that's like, you know that makes the, the the victory even that that's may, tastes that much sweeter. Exactly. Um, for example, but in, if you have like just a random goblin fight, all right, great, we killed these goblins. Cool. Um, and it it's the same when on on a much grander scale, BBEG fight. You mm-hmm. introduce this BBEG at the start of the campaign. And your players know eventually this is coming. And that means that once this fight is done, as long as it's done well, obviously, it will just be that much more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Unless you don't tell them what the BBG is until like the second to last episode of the campaign. I'll We'll come back to that story. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of uh, role-playing scenes, uh, they can help clarify a common ground or a goal. They can unite your characters, but they can also unite your players if everyone has a similar reaction to it. Mm. Um, uh, my perfect example of this that infuriates me, this, oh, the rage, I can feel it building up already. Okay, so I was in a campaign. I was a player in this one. I wasn't running this. This wasn't my twist. I'm, I've never forgiven the DM for this, but I, this wasn't my twist. Uh, we were we were playing ourselves, but dropped into a D&D setting. Like mm-hmm. we knew that we were ourselves and we knew that we'd been dropped there and we were like, oh, what's going on? And we were just kind of going, this is great. Cause I was in there and I had all of my D&D knowledge. So I was like, well, I know what the fuck's up. Let's go. Um, cool. Okay. I know what that is. Let's hit it with fire. And uh, we came up to this group of people who were like, hey, we need your help with this thing. And we went, no, we don't, we're not, we're just going to go and be pirates because we can make a shit ton of money and we don't owe anyone anything right now. And the NPC went, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's totally understandable. However, there is one thing you should see. And we went, oh. Oh, no. Oh, okay. 
And the NPC led us into a room where the DM's body was lying, completely still, breathing, but still. Now, bear in mind, the DM was my best friend and one of the player's brothers. So we oh. were immediately like, oh, fuck, now we're invested. Shit. <laughs> I mean, that's and, one and, way to do it. And that's one way to do it. We were all like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're doing this now because we've got to save his dumb ass. Great. Okay, cool. Love that <laughs> for us. Don't get to be pirates. Damn it. Um, but in the sense that like, it it did completely unite us as, as characters in the sense that this is the goal that we have to now aim towards. But it also mm-hmm. united us as players in going, fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. How dare you fucking do this to us? Like, mm. It was so good. It was so well done because it was genuinely this moment where we were literally about to just go. We were mm-hmm. like, you know what? We do, we don't want any of this main story. We don't want this plot. No thanks. I'm good. I just want to go make money. And they went, oh, uh-huh, excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> um, as much as as much as I hate him for it, because it was one of those moments where we were like, we were so close. We were so close to just living out our pirate lives. It was really well done. <laughs> I mean, sometimes a plot hook just has to be a bit more an actual grappling hook yep. than just a dangling hook. Yep, 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 yep. It um, wasn't the worst thing he did in that game, but it was oh no. one of the worst things. I actually also have uh, a similar example, or mm-hmm. not similar example, but an, uh, an example that's also roleplay based, but more from more organized from uh, out of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this was actually in a uh, Curse of Strahd game I'm in. And um, uh, I've, I've had multiple characters in this game. Uh, I don't have a great track record of keeping these characters alive in the Curse of Strahd game. I mean, uh, but it's that's Curse also of Strahd, just Curse of like... Strahd. Yeah. Um, but my second character in this game was, um, and I still can't believe DM allowed this, a mystic. Oh. Oh, that's a um, DM. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first and last Unearthed Arcana heal out. Um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, in case you're not aware, mystics were Unearthed Arcana that were very, very broken. Mystics are bullshit. I'm, I said what I said. <laughs> basically a whole party in one character. Um, Disgusting. Um but basically, uh, this character was very much, um, uh, they always wanted to learn more about the world and more about creatures and mm-hmm. enemies. Um, and obviously, Curse of Strahd is about Strahd. Um, and without going into uh, spoiler territory, my character was very much, ooh, I want to learn more about this Strahd guy. Um, so what he did was decide to make a deal with Strahd. Um, Mm -hmm. He would give Strahd what he desired in exchange for information about him. Um, The end goal was to help the party um, defeat Strahd with this gained knowledge. Didn't work out that way. Um, Funny that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, basically a series of um, very, very bad decisions um, led up to... um, this uh, this character getting um, the soul of a fire elemental imbued in him. Um, obviously, not really what you want as a human. Um, wasn't very not stable. Ideal. Not ideal. Um, so um, Strad gave him an ultimatum. Give me what I want, 
which was in the hands of the party, um, or you know, I'll and 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 I'll stabilize you. If you don't, you'll burn up within twenty four hours. Um, so uh, I magically got yeeted back towards the party, literally yeeted, not teleported, just I fell out of the sky. Um, and um, this was organized with uh, the DM because Mystic, it's fun for a while, but you get bored of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wanted to try something new. Um, so I drop in front of the party and basically my character... Uh, as much as he desired more knowledge, he didn't want to betray, uh, didn't want to actually betray the party, let alone fight them. Uh, so he basically told them, "All right, here's the deal: you're going to give me what Strat wants, um, otherwise we have a problem." Obviously, the party, being the heroes, didn't want to hand that over. For sure. Um, so this this ended up. Uh, in a in a very long uh, in role play conversation, uh, where the end decision basically was, yeah, um, no, we're we're not helping you. You you d- did this to yourself. Bye. Um, my my character was all right with that, resigned to his faith, and just uh, walked into the woods. Um, and you know, this was the, the party wasn't aware of this. I was aware of this. The DM was aware of this. This was this was kind of planned that this would happen because I knew the party wouldn't, you know, wouldn't hand over uh, the thing, and um, I also knew that I wasn't going to fight the party. For sure. The way it ended up uh, going, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware that um, almost everyone, including the two new players who for who it was the first session and didn't actually have their characters in the party yet. They were still to be introduced. Everyone was basically crying. Um, And um, this did actually manage to unite the party more against Strahd because Strahd basically killed their, one of their strongest members of the party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that, that's uh, a way that you could use these set pieces or cutscenes. Um, in a role-play way when organized out of the players and to unify the party. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's, that's so sad. That poor monk. That monk? Mystic. <laughs> I know classes. What are you talking about? Um, as with anything in D&D, set pieces can go wrong. Uh, and mm. a lot of the time, the reasons that a set piece isn't done well is because they feel railroady. Uh, what I mean in that is that the players feel like they are put on a path that they have no choice about, um, which for a lot of players, that kind of play style is not enjoyable. The, f- the, the beauty of D&D for a lot of people is the freedom of choice and being able to say, actually, I don't want to do this plot hook. I want to go pet a cat, you know? Um, although beware of cats, they could be demons. Um, it can feel almost like very trope-like if you're relying on tropes to get you through a piece of narrative. And in that way, a lot of people can feel that they can be predictable, which makes people lose focus. And when you lose players' focus, it affects the impact that it's having on them and their investment in the game. Um, 
Another way that this can happen is if this scene is focused on one particular player. There's always the worry. It's it's a worry that I have quite often is if I am doing a one-on-one scene with a player, my worry is that other people are not going to be invested because I've had experiences where players have literally picked up their phones and, and done other stuff whilst mm. in the middle of a what was quite a heavy emotional scene for some people around the table. And then there's someone just in the back on their phone just like, yep, whatever. I'm just like, bruh, why? But I can't really have a go at them for that if they're not invested, if they're not committed to it because they don't feel involved. So Right. I uh, Quite a while ago, um, back in my early days of getting in touch with d and I actually <laughs> saw a quite good way of solving that. Um, um, it, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but it basically, it was one-on-one things, or at least specifically for this one character, for Warlock, um, and, um, he kept getting flashbacks to, um, the previous, um, Warlock of this same patron, um, but instead of these flashbacks just being one-on-one with the DM, the other players got new character sheets for kind of not necessarily well kind of npcs but also still player characters that uh-huh. were also present in the same uh flashback um but weren't the their actual characters i like that i like that a lot and i will be abusing that in the future that sounds mm. super fun um i mean i'm all for 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 doing unexpected things with giving players character sheets at random I think it's funny because people tend to freak out. They're like, what? What is this? What am I? Who am I now? <laughs> What's going on? Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's very easy for, for, for set pieces to feel like it's a test or a trap. Like, especially if you're doing a, if you, for example, if you're doing a combat heavy scene, for people who aren't that into combat, they're going to feel like that's a, oh no, this is going to, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to, the mistakes are going to be made. And vice versa, if you're doing a heavy role play scene, your combat orientated players who don't enjoy RP are going to feel very isolated and bored. Um, I have a play, well, I have several players who just aren't, like, they will be the first to say that they're not into the RP side of things. And mm-hmm. I always worry because I am quite heavily an RP focused as a DM that I'm not engaging them. So I, you know, constantly try to check in with them but when you come to big scenes like that it's always something to be aware of especially with if you know that you have players who are leaning heavily more one way than the other mm-hmm. um and i think a big factor in making sure that you don't fall into these kind of pitfalls is knowing your players and knowing what style your players like and and what where everyone is in terms of what pace are on Obviously, session zero is a big, big, big factor in that. Um, but people's play styles do change over time, and it's always worth checking in with your players to make sure that they're still happy with things, which I will be the first to admit is like drawing blood from a stone. Good Lord, players, give me your goddamn opinions for once, <laughs> please. Um, what did you think of these sessions? Yeah, it was right. Yeah, it was, yeah, great. It was fine. It was, fun. Yeah, sure, whatever. Like, oh, God, just give me something. Um, so how can you knock it out of the park every time? Uh, spoiler alert, you can't. Learn from your mistakes, that's all you can do. Uh, I went there. Savage. (laughs) Well, now what do I do? I I thought I came here to become a pro DM. (laughs) You're already a pro DM. How dare you? I've not even run a game for you. 
I know, but know? I still know. I still know. Okay. All right. Well, here's some here's some tips for for okay. knocking yep. it out of the park. Get get a pen I got and paper. my note. Yeah, I got my notebook ready. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, first things first. Approach it with flexibility. Things will mm-hmm. change. Do you, you've got a plan. Fuck it. There's no plan anymore because your players are dealing with it, and we all know that plans do not meet make it past first contact with the enemy. And as no. much as the players are not our enemy, they're going to fuck your plans up. Um, if you have a set scene in your head and you think it is going to go one way, be prepared for it to go the other way completely. And every which way in between. Because uh, players will do what they want to do. Sometimes you're going to set up a really serious scene that's very heartbreaking and, and beautiful and someone is going to fart in character and break the tension because that's what players do. <laughs> So would you say that as a DM, you need to be able to improvise, adapt, and overcome? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, All right. Yeah, 100%. Um, When it comes to setting up a scene and setting the tone for that scene, two things that you want to keep in mind. Is this something that your players have agreed to? For example, if you have a particularly horrific combat in mind, have the players agreed to that? Or is that something that you need to look at your um, safeguarding notes and, and making sure that everyone's comfortable at the table? Because not everybody wants blood and gore. I'll be real. Um, likewise, if you're doing something that's quite that's got kind of like darker overtones, is everyone going to be comfortable with that? And number two, is this in keeping with the game so far and does it meet the expected range of the game? So again, looking back at where you started with session zero and what people expected out of the game, is this matching those expectations? Or are you going completely off script with this? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's something to bear in mind, especially if it's not what your player signed up for. Mm. Um, in terms of combat-driven scenes, if you are the driving force behind it, do your players have options to survive this? Your players should not feel like they are entering a TPK situation. Um I mean, obviously, TPKs do happen. It's not the end of the world. Well, it is for those players, I guess. But it's, you know, these things happen, but you should have at least one option where they can get away. Even if that is, this is the BBEG, you are not expected to beat him because you are level three. This is a show of power. This is a show of strength. And you expect them to run away. If they choose not to, that's on them. But they should have the option to. Um, if right. it is player driven, have they been metagaming? Have they been looking up stats? Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. I'm not a big fan of metagaming in general, um, no. particularly when it comes to setting up a scene. Um, like I, with the with the with the group that took on the Wyvern, I was very lucky in that nobody looked up the stats because I trust them and they trust me to give them a good gaming experience. Um, but I have been in situations where players have looked up stats and acted on that information rather than what their characters knew. And it just takes the fun out of it. It really does, both as a DM and as a fellow player. But in that scenario, and and not every DM might agree with this, but I feel like there's a quite easy fix of 
slightly tweaking the stats of the monster that they're... Oh, absolutely. Def- absolutely. Fuck their shit up. Let's go. Yeah. Suddenly that, like, plus two in Constitution is a plus 20 in Constitution. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I've done that accidentally once, and I have never been forgiven oh, no. for it. It wasn't my game. Someone asked me to make a monster for their game, and I and I wasn't paying 100% attention when I did it. <laughs> Oop. Oop. They beat it. It was fine. It just took longer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and in terms of uh, scenes that are focused on a particular player, like, for example, Warlocks, because Warlocks get a lot of this, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, are there beats within that scene that enable the rest of the party to feel involved and invested? Even if they're not actively doing something, there should be something that pulls them in. And I have a very good example of that, which I'm going to lead with. So, speaking of Warlocks, this was my very first group and this was mm-hmm. my very first set piece. And honestly, I peaked. I peaked. It's never going to get better than this set piece. Oh, honestly, no. it's great. Honestly. Okay. So here's the scene. Here's the setup for this scene. So I knew that this was a scene that was going to happen, but I ended up having to pull it forward by about four sessions because okay. of something that the warlock did. The warlock was uh, a human warlock. His patron was a very racist patron. Um <sighs> His patron was the mighty Farage. If you know anything about British politics, you will know that Nigel Farage is a terrible person. And I had to create a patron based on him. Because they went, can we do that? And I went, fuck yeah, let's do it. Because I'm an idiot. Anyway, so he is a human in a foreign country. It goes about as well as you'd expect. However, he does start to understand and appreciate others, other um races it's a beautiful learning moment we're all very happy there are these twins they're uh, gorgeous beautiful twins i love them they're my children and he's basically crushing on both of them he realizes that he's bi it's a whole thing it's great there's a party and he drunkenly kisses one of them not the one i was expecting which made things complicated anyway i then had to bring these plans forward because of this kiss i was like oh okay pull that forward so we started the session. We started the session. Everyone had passed out drunk from, from the party. He wakes up. The warlock wakes up. And standing in the doorway is the NPC that he kissed the night before. And he comes Ooh. in and he says, look, I, uh, I'm really sorry about how I reacted because he ran off because he was just freaking out. He was like, I'm really sorry about how I reacted. Um, it's just that, you know, uh, I've had people have feelings for me before and it's brought nothing but trouble for them and people have gotten hurt and I didn't want that to happen to you because I do care about you. And, you know, this is a very difficult situation and I, you know, I just, you know, it's all happening so fast. Um, and the whole time there is a shadow behind him that is getting bigger and bigger. And the warlock says nothing. Mm-hmm. And he goes on, he's like, uh, you know, these are feelings that I feel like, you know, uh, it's complicated. I don't want to just trust my heart with anyone because of what's happened before. The shadow is getting bigger (laughs) behind him. And the warlock goes, okay, roll me a a dexterity check to see if you do this quicker than, than the shadow moves. He does not. The shadow suddenly produces a knife and cuts the NPC's throat. Now, bear in mind, this NPC was everyone's favorite at this point. Oh, no. And earlier on in the day, whilst we were at work, one of my players, who I worked with at the time, said, 
oh yeah, no, the game's great, but we know you'd never do anything to your children. We know you'd never do anything to these NPCs. Bear in mind, I planned this already. I was just like, mm, this is awkward. And and the warlock screamed. And when I say the warlock screamed, I mean the player at the table screamed. And everyone else went, wait, surely we would have woken up by this point. And I said, roll me a perception check. And the warlock rolled a perception check. And it didn't matter what he had rolled because he was going to see this anyway. You look around and you look over at your uh, your fighter's bed and you can see that he's lying too still and oh, the pillow no. is stained with blood. And the fighter went, wait, what? <laughs> oh, no. And he looks around and they're all dead and they've all had their throat slit. And suddenly his patron appears in front of him and says, these are the consequences of meddling with dirty blood, meddling with these inferior races. This is what happens when last night happened. Do you want this to become reality? And he's like, no, 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 of course not. Of course not. Of course not. I'll do whatever you say. And then he wakes up and everyone lost their shit. And that was it. That was the end of the set piece. And ah, chef's kiss. It was just, it was glorious because I got the player to have a very visceral emotional reaction. I got mm-hmm. the other players to have a very visceral emotional reaction and they didn't do anything. <laughs> I will never have a scene that good in my life. <laughs> I also proved that I will throw anyone under the bus for the narrative. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, that's also just on your players to be so innocent to think that a dm would never hurt their npcs i uh, this by this point it was very uh, it was very obvious that that these two npcs were some of my favorites um i mean mm-hmm. in in fairness these two npcs are still some of my favorites they helped me really explore uh my gender identity because i was like i like this one but i also like this one but i also want to be this one hmm? mm. um and yeah, and and they were very much the uh, yeah the 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 player in particular called me out for that. As this was happening, was like, oh shit, did I make this happen because of what I said earlier? And I was like, no, 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 this has been planned for a while. But that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, giving giving everyone that kind of moment to just be in the moment and react, like even if they're not actively doing something in the scene having that impact on 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 how it feels for them as well having that moment to kind of react to what's happening in character mm, so good oh so good oh oh my heart <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that probably the best thing i've ever done hands down mm. ever never never going to be that good again i've done some really good i'm like i'm really proud of a lot of my set pieces but that was I, probably because it was the first as well and i was really nervous as to how it was going to go and it just paid off so well mm-hmm. Ugh, so good i i've yet to um get a set piece uh to cause that level of reaction um however and this is something i've well i've done with my uh, my main party is um they um their main quest for that arc was to protect this uh salesman mm-hmm. um uh, one of the main people in um the coastal city um one of the big four as it were and um there had been an assassination attempt on his life um and they were sent to kind of protect him and figure out who did it um now um, my plan was always to 
not necessarily kill him, but at least to knock him out dying, um, to give them another quest to save his life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they there were multiple attempts. They managed to keep him alive during most of them. And eventually I w- thought, all right, might be a little bit real roadie, but let's just end the next session with um, the paladin coming back into uh, the room of the inn they were staying at uh, because his house had been burned down at this point. Um, And when she walks into the room, she sees the druid stabbing this, um, this, this salesperson and jumping out of the window to run away. That's it. That's the end of the session. I love it. Yeah, I, lo- um, I love it. I love it. That's that's they just like a fan. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Oh, oh, funny that. Um, huh. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's still one of my favorite things I've done to them so far. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite the same reaction that you got, but definitely worth it i mean i will say my players were fairly new to the the medium at that point like Mm. we were we were only like i think we were only like i want to say like 15 sessions in right at this point and this was their first game full stop and this was my first game running so we were still kind of figuring shit out at that point um yeah I, i i learned a lot from it in terms of uh what I was comfortable doing as a DM, uh, quickly decided that this was 110% my forte and I was just going to do set pieces forever. Uh- <laughs> oh, definitely. That's that's also um, what I like about set pieces is that it's also a good way for DM to kind of get a feeling of how far they can push it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, obviously you don't want to railroad your party but you do want to see how far you can go until they start feeling like it's railroading them. Um, because sometimes you just kind of need to push them in the right direction, have Absolutely. something happen that gives them a new goal Absolutely. when they just don't want to see these plot hooks that you're dangling in front of them. Mm-hmm. And that's where set pieces come in. And that's a great way as a DM you're always learning. You're always improving your DMing, and um, you you'll not always be successful in your set pieces, uh, like like we've mentioned before. But they will always um, teach you what you can do, and that's yeah. what I think is just the best part of them. In all honesty, yeah. I, uh, I there was one set piece that I I learned a lot from. Um, I did a I did a resurrection ritual, uh, but that only one of the players was present for it. Uh, it was mm-hmm. funnily enough the same NPC uh, through a convoluted series of terrible mistakes that he made, uh, found himself at death's door, uh, and one of the uh, player characters was summoned back to help with this resurrection ritual because they had grown close. Uh, and so I sent everyone else out of the room whilst we did this resurrection ritual. And in hindsight, very isolating for the rest of the party, the rest of the players in particular, because they were just sat outside twiddling their thumbs for a good 20 Mm. minutes whilst we did this. Uh, On the other hand, a 
obscenely beautiful RP moment with a player who truly brought their A game because they felt like they were in a safe space to do it. Right. So positives and negatives out of it. Uh, they survived, by the way. The NPC came back. It's all fine. Um, Good. My boy survived. Uh, <laughs> you, you wouldn't kill your babies, would you? I mean, uh, <laughs> it was touch and go for a hot second, let me tell you. Um, but it was beautiful, and he survived, and realized that he shouldn't keep his feelings close to his chest and wrote a beautiful love letter and it was a whole thing and i made it, i made my player in the middle of work i he read it in the middle of work because i gave him the letter at work and uh boy howdy that was a fun day <laughs> 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 he, that was that he's not gonna look me directly in the eye anymore is he nope okay cool uh <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah in 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 the sense that like I wanted to give him the space to be able to do that, which worked, but at what cost? Because a lot of the other players were like, well, why the hell are we here? Like, we're just yeah. sitting outside. Um, and again, because I didn't want to rush it, it you know, it, there, for us, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a lot of time. But for the players who aren't doing anything, 20 minutes can feel like fucking forever. So, you know, it's, it's figuring out that balance. Yeah, that, that's that's always a difficult one, and and there's multiple ways you could go about doing that. Either you give give that uh, that part of the party something else to do, like maybe you throw a puzzle at them and are like, and, and just tell them, all right, while you're solving this, go outside for a bit, go play outside, <laughs> um, or and but this might not be a solution for any uh, for everyone who um, might have more difficulty with planning sessions you could always just have a shorter one-on-one -on -one session with this player to do this um well you know the the other players are just doing their own thing living their lives mm -hmm. um not worrying about the game yeah yeah i mean planning in general with players especially in the middle of a global panini is difficult but mm. it's something that in hindsight it was like yeah we, we probably should have done that Mm -hmm. as a separate session uh, and i've had other dms do that with me like we've had essentially catch-up sessions where i've missed something and my character's been off doing something on the side and we've revisited that separately to leading to hilarious results as always uh <laughs> <laughs> what shenanigans did we get up to this week um but yeah it's 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 one of those again it's it's a it's a learning moment like every moment in D and D is a learning moment for various reasons. Definitely. Even when you do everything perfectly, it is still a learning moment where you can go, "Okay, well, I did this well, so I'll do it like that next time." Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. Um, but yeah, um, have you ever been in a situation where, as a player, you had a a, a set piece situation? Um, yeah, I, I, I um, well, the first thing that comes to mind um, is. Um, Actually, the, the the most recent session I had with this Curse of Shroud game, mm -hmm. um, and by now that's well over a year ago, as we played in real life, and we all live in different cities, and, you know, something's going on with the world that kind of makes that difficult. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Huh. Um, I'd never have noticed. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say that with a straight face. Jesus Christ. Fucking Benini. All right. Um, but yeah, basically, um, for m multiple in-character reasons, um, 
we decided quite near the end of the campaign to take about two month in-game downtime mm-hmm. um, just so every character could do their own thing, uh, train by themselves, level up um, uh, before we would go and punch Strahd in the face. Um, Which, you know, great activity. 10 out of 10. Yeah. We love that. It's it's the best part. Um, <laughs> and uh, what the DM did was he 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 wrote he he prepared little set pieces for every separate character mm-hmm. and um just decided to during the the sessions that were planned for for this um to kind of go through the uh this um in just a random order um and you know have have some rp moments with the separate characters or 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 combat moments, depending on which character uh, it was. Like one of our player, one of the players is very much uh, more into combat than into role play. So uh-huh. obviously, he got more role play um, with still a little, uh, or more combat with still a little bit of role play in it to you know, kind of give it that emotion. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. I think he. Uh, he was a druid and had to save a saber-toothed tiger or something from hunters. Um, um, and um, so what, what, what happened was, um, obviously, these set pieces, as with anything in D&D, it always takes longer than you expect. Mm-hmm. So what was intended to be just a, a one-off session where we quickly go through all these things and then the next session we can go punch Strahd in the face actually turned out to be two sessions um yeah just about was almost uh, it almost became three um and that's great um m- multiple of the stories were just interesting for everyone because it's it's always fun to see uh character development of your friends right yeah absolutely um but at the same time it was very much this um closed in story this um it's just this is what the druid does this is what the ranger does this is what the monk does this is what the other monk does yeah i and feel like for, for especially like again like we were talking before about in in terms of making sure that people stay engaged and invested like yeah absolutely you want to see character development for your friends but if it's mm-hmm. it's just like watching a tv show it's like oh, okay cool you're having fun? Great. I'm just going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs for like a bit. Basically. So, um, yeah. Which, like, yeah, it's just a little awkward, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I was having a great time being being a monk on top of a mountain, having a mental battle with my uh, air genie dad. Love um, that. Uh, but, you know, that's not very much engaging for the other players. Yeah. Well, it can still be interesting to, you know, witness you're still just sitting there um you know just kind of waiting yeah which... you're essentially listening listening to someone else's story which again can be fun but it's not everyone's cup of tea especially for someone who's more combat focused and it's not yeah super here for the story yeah and and you also um yeah. and by no means is this uh, any negativity towards uh, the dm but you oh, also no. got to keep in mind like the context of um the session right 
like the, the planning part. And when you're already in a panini that makes it very much difficult to plan sessions and you're, um, you've not really seen each other for uh, in real life for quite a while and um, you're doing this in a park uh, because that's the only way you can meet up, um, you don't want to sit around for two hours doing nothing. You could, you know, you could spend that time differently. Yeah. Um, and as much fun as it is hanging out with friends, this is where your brain starts going to. Like, all right, could have done something else, could have done my laundry, could have walked my fish, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, that fish needs a lot of walking. Yeah, but definitely. But he's a high-maintenance pet. Yeah, I I don't know what it is. It's just fish yeah, but, with yeah, legs. He doesn't he doesn't want he doesn't want all those you know fatty oils. He's gotta he's gotta keep slim, you know. Yeah. So they don't like cart him off for some cod liver oil. What am I? Where did this bit go? I don't I... know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is what happens. Supposed to be supervising me here. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I I thought I was clear. I am extra chaotic energy. That's true. That's true. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to add about set pieces before we wrap this up? Um, well, I could tell about what I'm currently planning for my players. I, I've mentioned this before. Um, however, um, this this session will be on the day that this podcast go, uh, goes up. So, Ooh. do you want to spill the tea? I, 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 I'll, 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 yeah, I'll tell a little bit. Spill, spill a little happen, tea, just a little if, tea. If you, if you happen to be any of my players, close your ears now. It's fine, it's um, fine, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, we're not talking about, about it. It's, it, it's a different party, it's a different party, <laughs> I promise. Um, so, um, currently, my party is on an airship. Um, this is the consequences from what I mentioned earlier they're mm -hmm. going to find a cure because the stabbing poisoned this guy um so they're off to a different city uh the fastest way to get there was by airship mm -hmm. um on the way there they made a stop at a flying circus um everything seemed fine and dandy until they figured out that you know the ringleader wasn't that great of a guy and was kind of mind controlling everyone including a young green dragon. Oh, wait. Now, uh, they spent quite some time discussing what they wanted to do. Did they want to kill the dragon? I should note, there are three players of level four. Um, did they want to report this dragon to um, basically the guild they work for, which has kind of interesting history with dragons? Um, or though they just want to leave and let this dragon and this circus be. Well, they decided to go a completely different route and kind of saved um, the, the people that worked with this dragon, um, uh, saved the, the, the strong man of the circus, and run away with basically the two main acts of the circus. Sure. Now, obviously, ringleader not really happy. Um, so <laughs> they're 
on their way, not being aware of what's going on, and um, uh, enough time for a long rest pass. Mm-hmm. Um, they're near the next coast. They look back at the just at this open sea, and they suddenly see a shadow of a dragon. <sighs> the dragon has caught up to them. Now, um, this is set up. Uh, session coming up will fr- most likely, unless they find a way to avoid it, uh, be combat. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Um, historically, dragons and uh, airships, or any ship for that matter, don't really mix well. No. Um, in my world, these airships are held up by magic crystals. If one or maybe even both of these crystals get destroyed, the ship will go down. Oh, wait. Because there's nothing holding it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gravity and all that. Yeah. Um, even in D&D, gravity usually exists. Usually. Um, <laughs> usually. Depends on your rule. Um, but that's my set piece. That's the start of my set piece. Mm-hmm. At least one of these crystals will get damaged beyond repair. The ship will go down and crash because currently the the party has they all have different goals in mind um and i've still not introduced bbg really to them uh-huh. so ship crashes heck even with any spell that a level four party might have that's still a lot of damage mm-hmm, for sure for m- most characters enough to just instantly off you Right? Um, so, what's going to happen is I'm giving giving the whole party a one-way ticket to whichever god of death uh, they might encounter. Uh-huh. Um, this, in my world, this god of death is also the god of the fates. Um, this, this, this god will uh, receive them, will greet them, and then suddenly realize, hang on, one of you might be dead. That's that's fine. That can be part of the fates. But you're not all three supposed to be dead just yet. You still have unfinished business. You still have a world to save. Excellent. You need to go back. Just this once, I'm going to, you know, turn a blind eye and you're going to go back. You can't die just yet. I love everything about this. I love it when gods get invested <laughs> in that. Right. Um, this is wrong. Like, maybe sort yourselves out. <laughs> just, 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 just go back. Just, a bit. just sort your shit out, kids. Come on, <laughs> do better. Do better. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, this won't work for every DM. This won't work for every party because, again, it is kind of real roady to just basically force a TPK on your party. Um, But that's why you always need backups. You don't force TPKs unless it's for a narrative reason. 100%. And realistically, if they're all going to come back anyway, it's it's negligible, to be honest. Um, And also helps me um, deal with the consequences of this fight. They're not at all ready for, again... (laughs) 
It's a young green dragon. Yeah. Three players or three characters of level four. Mm-hmm. That's not a fight you're going to win. They're boned. They're, they're truly um, boned. Basically. So, you know, I, I very much uh, wouldn't be surprised if one of them dies. Now, would be kind of upsetting if you were to die in a fight that you literally can't win. So, you know, yeah. God Giving, of yeah. death sends you back. Giving them that kind of uh, Deus Ex Machina moment of being able to kind of come back from that. That's, yeah. that's good full planning, is what that is. Well done. Well done. Bravo. And it also, you know, it, it, it also shows uh, the party again, like, okay, sure, you're already aware that you can't win every fight, but maybe now you're also aware that you shouldn't, you know, anger someone that you won't win a fight with. Yeah, hopefully they'll learn that their actions have consequences. consequences. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I mean, in fairness, we're asking players to learn things and historically not great. At that. Mm. But I love that. I am so excited for your players. I am too. And I'm also <laughs> very concerned for their lives and my own, quite it'll frankly. Be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. Um, okay, I think. I think we made it. I think we made it through a whole podcast. Wow. I'm so proud of us. A whole podcast oh without Danny and with me. <gasps> oh my gosh. We should do this more often. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> if, if you'll have me. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've, I've heard that, you know, historically, guests on the, this podcast, they own the podcast now. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Because we're in a little bit of a loophole here. Because normally when a guest comes on, Mm-hmm. Both of us are present to right. hand off responsibility of the podcast. Right. Uh, unfortunately, with Danny not being here, I don't know if legally I'm allowed to give you ownership mm-hmm. of the podcast. You'll mm-hmm. just have to come back another time. Well, you know, that, <laughs> I guess, I guess, if you put it that way, I, I'll think about coming back. <laughs> No, I, 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 I would love to come back if you'll have me. I will absolutely, absolutely, 100%, 110%, 150%. That's not even a real number, but yes, wow. is the answer. Um, okay, so as usual, uh, you can email us your opinions, your stories, letters. Like, tell tell me about your set pieces. I love hearing about them. I, I love that shit. I live for this stuff. Um, cannibalizingthecanon at gmail.com. Cannibalizing with a Z. Because Danny set it up. <laughs> I got that. That's all I've got. I don't know why. It just is. Um, we have merch. Shock horror actually happened. We have merch. The links are available uh, in the description for this podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Um, you can catch me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Vela. That's V-E-H-L-R. As always, you can possibly find Glaive on Twitter if he tweets Sometimes he does, I promise. Uh, uh, Twitter.com slash Glavethruster. Uh, Rack, where can we find you? Yes. Um, if you want to yell at me for, you know, TPKing my party, um, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter um, at Raccoon Blast. Um, and um, exciting news uh, coming out to a Twitch near you, hopefully soon. Um, I'll I'll also start streaming on Twitch. Um, also under the name Raccoon Blast. I am hyped. I am super hyped when you start playing a game called oh. Kiwi. 
That's going to be great. Kiwi. That's going to be great. Now, who would I play that with? I don't know. You'll just, I guess, I guess you'll just have to ask a super friendly streamer that you know. Mm. I, mm. I, I have some, someone in mind, Is but I Jamie? guess if, if <laughs> ooh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> I guess if people will want, will want to find out. Yeah, we'll you'll just have to have in. to watch the streams. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, okay, so next week is a cannibal review. I have no idea what we're reviewing yet. We haven't got that far in the planning. Uh, spoiler alert: planning us. Oh, the other thing I wanted to suggest because uh, occasionally, I say occasionally, one of our two guests so far has has come up with a charity. I know you didn't have one in mind, but I have found one that I think you would approve of. Okay. There is a group in Saskatoon, Canada called the Bandit Ranch Rehab. They are a registered not-for-profit organization that seeks to save, raise, rehabilitate, and release orphaned and injured raccoons. Oh, and, I love that. Uh, I will put the link in the description for the podcast. Uh, anything you guys can do to help these guys out saves little trash pandas from from a bad time and uh, they just look so cute i love them so yeah yes I yes that's, i'm that's very much one. in favor of that suggestion also they have super cute photos of all the, the baby baby trash pandas so cute um but yes and <laughs> the little hands i love them anyway <laughs> so yes so uh, if you can spare a couple of pennies please throw it their way because we love trash pandas on this channel and mm -hmm. channel jeez Oof. like i'm streaming uh, <laughs> uh okay also i just want to shout out i mean obviously shout out to david always but always i would like to shout out the fact that this is our 10th episode Woo. which is great uh like genuinely hand on heart uh thank you to everyone who listens thank you to everyone who gives us feedback uh i i appreciate you all so much and i know danny feels the same way we we got really lucky in meeting and we got even luckier by being able to do this and share this with you guys and to get this far and i promise the plans for the next 10 20 30 episodes Whew, boy howdy you don't know what's coming it's gonna be great um but yes next week will be a cannibal review and then the week after that, we have a guest. Ooh, ooh. I'm not at liberty to say who yet. That is a surprise. Exciting. But I'm very excited about it. I'll tell you after the recording, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I mean... um, but yes, I have been V slash Fella slash Rin slash... Oh, that's cute. Uh, and my co-host today... I have been Raccoon Blast slash Rack slash the eldritch being that lurks in everyone's Twitch chat, whether they know it or not. Uh, and this has been Cannibalizing the Canon. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye! Bye!